So here it is, Rosh Hashanah, the Day of Judgment. Kind of hard to face that without a wee bit of self-esteem. Welcome to Consciously, a podcast focused on honest conversation by regular people and for regular people seeking spiritual growth. Hey guys, so Rosh Hashanah is coming up. Rosh Hashanah is the Jewish New Year, obviously, and uh, it's a time of reflection. Uh, actually, the time of reflection begins a month before. Really, it's uh, really two months of reflection for the Jewish people, starting with uh, Rosh Chodesh Elul, the beginning of El. In El, we kind of reflect on our lives and reflect on practically how we're drawing spirituality into our everyday life. Rosh Hashanah is a time where really it's the commemoration of the creation of the world. Actually, not the creation of the world. That's a misnomer. It's actually a commemoration of the creation of man. You know, because you could have a beautiful artist who painted a, a gorgeous painting, but if there wasn't someone there to see it, if there wasn't someone there to bask in its glory, it would kind of take away from the beauty. So Rosh Hashanah is a celebration of the creation of man. Free-willed, conscious beings that could partake of the beauty of the Creator's reality. And, and on that day... Our sages teach us there's a renewal of the world. God sits in judgment to evaluate what's working and what's not working, so to speak, and uh, to determine what's going to occur in the year to come. So it's a time to reflect. It's a time to reflect on ourselves. It's a, it's a time to reflect on our place within the greater reality. And it's a time to reflect on what we want to accomplish, what we're looking forward to. The next aspect of the reflection is uh, Yom Kippur. Um, and that follows the 10 days of repentance. And that's really focused on taking a look at my my disappointment, you know, my guilt, my shame, my disappointment in my own behavior, and trying to clear the wreckage so that I can start the new year uh, with a clean slate. And it's a beautiful day. Yom Kippur is actually a commemoration historically of the day that Moshe, Moses brought down the second tablets and the... Uh, in the holy books of Chassidus and Pneumius Torah, it teaches a beautiful thing, which is that God gave two sets of tablets to the Jewish people and to the world. The first set of tablets were given to perfect Jews. They were given to the slaves that had emerged out of Egypt and been cleansed in that crucible. And they came to Har Sinai, they came as one, totally purified without any sin. And they received the perfect Luchos. But they weren't really prepared for that. And they, they failed that test. They were not able to stand up to the challenge of that kind of intensity. And so the second tablets were tablets given to Baale Chuba, to masters of return. They were given to people that had messed up. And so the second tablets, which are the ones, which is the Torah that we have, it's the Torah that we seek, it's the spirituality that we look for, the, spiritual, the spirituality of imperfection, you might say, which is what we're commemorating. And those came down on Yom Kippur. Moshe Breno brought those down and said that our relationship with God is not conditional to our being perfect. Our relationship with God is about us doing the best we can to be as perfect as we can be, and God making up the difference where he sees fit. And uh, and the next part of the reflection that this time of year brings is the reflection of Sukkot, that historically speaking was the time where the granaries were full, summer had ended. Right? In, a, in an agricultural society, you would, you would uh, spend the summer harvesting your your crop, and then storing it away for the winter. 
and then you would plow your field and get it ready for the winter, for the rain months. And then really Sukkot is a time where you're sitting around and you have full granaries and your fields are planted and there's nothing left to do. And and the Torah invites us to leave our homes, leave our material safety uh, out into the world and to join God, so to speak, in a reflection of what what's right about the world and what's right about what we did. So anyway, I was thinking about what, what would I want to say um, on this podcast related to Rosh Hashanah? You know, the whole thing is... <laughs> I've told many people that I'm close with this whole idea of a podcast. At some at some level, there's a, there's at least some measure of voice in me that says this is absurd. But nonetheless, there is a listenership, and it is Rosh Hashanah. So, what would the message be? And and I was really giving that thought, and I decided that I think the most important message that I have to give across has to do with the word self esteem. And that's what I'm going to focus on today. We're going to do a word episode on self esteem. Now, self esteem is a word that I think gets a lot of play, um, especially in the world that we live in. And a lot of times people that are more skeptical minded or people that are kind of maybe more truth oriented, look at this obsession with self-esteem and see, you know, petulant, immature people wanting to feel good about themselves. And and a lot of times the answer that's given to somebody who's kind of grappling with self-esteem is, well, go out and do something, do something good, get something done. And if you do something, then you'll feel good about it. And that seems like good advice, is even in the recovery programs, they have this line that, that I think is really a lot of truth in it. And yet, there's something missing. And the line goes something like this. If you want to have self-esteem, then do esteemable things. Now, I'm not even so sure that that's exclusive to the recovery programs. That's just, those are the people that I heard it from. But if I want to have self-esteem, then do esteemable things. And that seems practical. That seems practical, right? If I... Move a muscle, change a thought, as they say, you know, so if I want to feel good, then do good. The challenge is, is that when I am, when we are in a space of insecurity, in a state of lacking a sense of vibrant esteem about ourselves and our accomplishments, when we get busy doing stuff, oftentimes the result is that we do some good stuff and it feels good initially. It feels good to do good stuff. But if we really get honest about it, if we really pick it apart, what we find is we kind of feel lucky and fortunate to do good stuff because we're kind of a piece of garbage that does good stuff. And and that's nice. It's nice to do good stuff. But, but if I haven't abandoned that piece, the part of me that feels like a piece of garbage, then I've left myself in a space where I can never be immeasurably more than I am. And I'm always stuck at best being a well-behaved piece of garbage. And you might think that if I was going to stand before my creator on the day that commemorates the creation of mankind, who are the observers and reflectors on the artistry that is the reality of the creator's world, that we'd want something more than well-behaved pieces of garbage. So that begs the question, what is self-esteem and how can we get us some? I think part of the answer to that question relates to the point about move a muscle, change a thought, relates to the idea of action, but it relates to action in a different way. You see, I can do good things that are ultimately superficially empty because they're just the scrambling attempt to try to do good and oftentimes do what feels good. Well, let's say help somebody else, give somebody charity. So I can, let's say give charity. So I I was on my way into synagogue today and there was a, a woman 
collecting money. I didn't have any money on me, so I feel very guilty about it. But anyway, she was collecting money. I felt terrible that she had to stand there in front of the synagogue collecting money, that she had no other way to earn her own keep and to earn her own money. She didn't seem like somebody who was looking for an easy way out. And it really broke my heart. So, you know, let's say I had had, and I was compelled. I was like, I wish I had $20 on me. I would give $20 to this woman. This is, it was pitiful. Not in a in an arrogant way. I don't, I don't mean it that way. But it was sad. It was really sad that she had to stand there. And um, and I, I would I wish I had twenty. I would give this woman twenty dollars. But if I if if I gave that woman twenty dollars, and then I would might feel good about myself. Now, practically speaking, is that is that inherently a good act? Is that good? I mean, it would make me feel very good, and it would at least assuage my the guilt I have about the privilege of my life. You know, the privilege that I have. I don't have to stand in front of a synagogue begging for money. But is is that good? Why and why is that good? I mean, it's nice to give money, but why is that good? And how does that relate to the goodness of me? And how does that reflect my goodness? So you see, you can do esteemable things and never really build self-esteem. You can very easily, by being overly distracted from the truth, miss the point. So how can I translate esteemable things into true self-esteem? I think there's two things. One is a leap of faith. Now, those more agnostically inclined have a hard time with that because we oftentimes imagine faith as some kind of magical fairy tale. So like the idea of taking a leap of faith into a fairy tale seems simplistic. It seems dumb. But our, if we remove ourselves from the fantasy world of spiritual make-believe and we lean in to a real world of spirituality, we can take a thought about what a leap of faith is. A leap of faith in this area says this, I am worthy. I'm worthwhile. I have what to offer other people. I did a reflection the other night at work. We were having some discussion about the coming year. And I invited the group to think back to what they've accomplished this year. Like practically, like what they've grown in this year. And what's oftentimes a meaningful perspective is to think back the previous to the previous year and, and realize, you know, what you accomplished, and then think back, what would you tell yourself a year ago? You know, what advice would you give to yourself a year ago, right? The self that you were a year ago, what, would advi- what advice would you give him or her today? And then I, I asked the group to reflect, is it possible that there's a you a year ago that actually exists today that's hungry and thirsty and desperate for the advice and the wisdom that you have, and you're just not looking for them? You don't even know that they exist. You're not even thinking about them. Is that possible? Of course it's possible. There's people all over. So when a person takes a leap of faith into esteem, they say, it must be, it must be that there's somebody that can benefit what I have to offer, that there are more than, that it's more than just somebody. There's many people that what I do matters and that I am worthwhile. And even though the skeptical voices that come into my mind that tell me that that's not true, affirm the opposite, the leap of faith is not it's not a journey into the into the magical world of spiritual make believe but rather a leap into what is most obvious but yet challenge the skeptical view that the voices in our mind insist on it says maybe lean into the optimistic view and i think a lot of self esteem comes down to that am i willing or let me say it, let me put it this way the the journey towards self esteem starts with that am i willing to believe in, in the face of all the hopelessness and all the despair and all the failure and everything I know about myself, am I willing to focus on the evidence that tells me that I'm worthwhile? 
Am I willing to leap across that abyss that says that I'm not worth anything? That extreme black and white voice that says, if I'm not worth everything, I'm not worth anything. And say, I may, I may not be worth everything, but I for sure am worth something. And I think self-esteem starts there. The other thing I think that self-esteem emerges from is related to that is that is when we take the time to embrace and own our missionhood. You know, so it's one thing to think about the fact that I have worthiness, that I could be useful to somebody else, that I have advice, I have guidance, I have support, I have encouragement, I have love. I have love to give and love to offer. But another really powerful point of self-esteem is when we realize that the universe is calling us to unique and special mission. In Panimia Satora, this is best reflected in the teachings, the, the well-quoted teachings. I, see, I saw it first, first and second and third, a, a thousand times maybe. I don't even know how many times. In Nesiva Shalom, which is the, the, the teachings of the Slenema Rebbe of the past generation. And he taught that the Arizal told us that each person has a mission in this world. And that mission, that purpose, cannot be fulfilled by anybody else, anywhere, ever. That our mission, our missionhood, is vital to the reality of all reality, to the truth of all truth, and to the good of all goodness. And a lot of self-esteem comes from an alternative narrative that says, I am worthwhile, there is a reality, there is a truth that's waiting for me. And when I can take that leap of faith, then suddenly, in spite of the fact that there's truth in that skeptical voice, that I am unworthy, and that I have flaws, and that I probably will fail in some aspects of my journey, I have to show up because they're relying on me. My coworkers, my friends, my colleagues, my children, my spouse, my parents, my grandparents, all the generations that came before me. God himself is relying on me. Now, there's a beautiful idea that's expressed by Rav Cook. He talks about the jealousy that we have at the core of our being for God's perfection. That there's a part of us unconscious that knows of God's perfection. And that part of us is incredibly jealous. It's very overwhelming to realize that God is perfect and we are not. That in spite of all of our desires to achieve perfection, both maybe for reasons related to arrogance, but maybe also because we want to be our best self. And then there's a part of us that's, he says, jealous of God. And that part wants to separate ourselves from God because we can't possibly come close to God because when we come close to the perfection of God, it reminds us of our own imperfection. But then he says a beautiful thing. He says, if we can get past that immaturity, that superficiality, if we can get past that petty need to be better than at the expense of, then we can start to see that every time and every impulse that we have for perfection is an impulse and a moment in which we are seeking God. And that every time we do something well, and every time it's more perfect than the time before, we have revealed a little bit of God in the universe. So on this Rosh Hashanah, I think the reflection, especially at the end of this year, which was filled with so many ups and downs and challenges and backs and forths, I think for everybody and obviously for the world as a whole. And as we head into next year, which is going to include a presidential election, hopefully it'll get less contentious, not more, to face that year as ourselves and ask ourselves, how have I manifested my most perfect version of me? thereby revealing God's power in the world, because I get to be a channel of his light and love. And where are the areas of my life where I'm holding myself back from the journey to perfection, because I'm scared that it won't be the most perfect version of it? And maybe, just maybe, it's time to put that down and take the leap of faith 
that I'm worth it and that my journey is worthwhile and stop making the world and God wait for me to show up. With that, I want to wish each and every one of you a chasiva v'chasimatova to be inscribed in the book of life. Not only physical, material life, but also spiritual. I want to thank you for going on this journey with me this year. It's incredibly meaningful for me. I'm so thankful. This microphone is, it's been more than a soapbox. It's been an opportunity for personal growth. And yet, none of it would be worth anything if I didn't know that there was somebody on the other side. And I didn't have the fantasy that maybe I'm helping somebody. That maybe by doing this, I'm trying my best to manifest my most perfect me. So I want to wish you a happy new year. And I want to look forward for all of us to have the best year that ever was. And may the world achieve its fullest perfection for every single human and being on the planet. You know. Let's go all the way. Shana Tova. Thanks for listening to the Consciously Podcast. Consciously is a project of The Living Room, which is a division of Our Place New York, and made possible by the kindness of the Capellius family, in memory of Tsipora Basravaron. The host of Consciously is Menachem Posnansky, and produced by Chaim Kohn, and our trusted assistant to the regional co-host, Shmaya Hanekman. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can give us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on Apple or wherever else you get your podcasts. We sincerely welcome and appreciate your feedback, so please feel free to email us at consciously62 at gmail.com or on our Instagram and Facebook pages. 